Thank you for listening to a message from the Bowden Church of Christ. For more information, visit www.bowdenchurchofchrist.com. That's www.bowdenchurchofchrist.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Bowden Church of Christ. We pray that this message is a blessing to you and helps you to serve God and find satisfaction in Him alone. And now, our speaker. Good morning, everybody. It is good to see all of you here. Go ahead and take your Bibles and open up to James chapter 3. James chapter 3 will be the text we'll be studying from this morning. Just a few things to mention before we dive into our lesson. Of course, remember everything that's coming up, our fabulous fifth Sunday that will be next Sunday with Brother Barry Gilreath III from the Macklin Road Congregation. He'll be here with us, so keep that in mind. We'll have a fellowship meal next Sunday, and then I believe we'll meet again after that fellowship meal. So uh, make sure you mark that down on your calendars and that you're here for that. I know he'll do a wonderful job, and he has got some excellent lessons prepared for us so we can come ready to hear what he has to share. Also remember that uh, on Sunday nights we do our kids sing, so all of you who have young children and all those who uh, are able, come and join us. Make sure you're here at 6 o'clock, and uh, we'll work with the kids and work on the books of the Bible and a number of different things, so keep that in mind. Uh, Also remember our hobo dinner is coming up October the 6th. That's on the calendar out in the hallway, so keep that on your calendar as well. There's a lot of great stuff that's going on here at the Bowden Congregation, so make sure you keep up to date with all of it. A lot of great opportunities uh, to be with one another and enjoy some good fellowship together. If you're a visitor this morning, I want to thank you for being here. Uh, You are an encouragement to us by being here, and I want you to know uh, that we hope to be an encouragement to you as we study the Scriptures this morning. James chapter 3. This morning we're at the end of our series of lessons on God's great expectations. What does God expect of us? As a Christian, what does God expect of you? We've talked about a number of different things from preparing for eternity to living in God's Word. God expects great things from us as Christians because He's given us the ability to do them. But this morning we're going to finish this series of lessons with a lesson that I believe every individual needs at some point or another. And that comes out of James chapter 3. Now the book of James, James writes essentially about how to become a mature Christian and what a mature Christian looks like. In chapter 1, he talks about how a mature Christian is patient through trials. When tough times come, I endure, and I know that that's developing within me something great to be used for the glory of God. Chapter 2, James talks about how the mature Christian practices truth. That I can't just have faith without works because faith without works is dead. That I need to display my faith in God through doing good things and honorable things again to the glory of God. But in chapter 3, James brings us to a very adamant discussion. One that we all need to remember about the power of our tongue. I believe that God expects of us to have control of the things that we say. Now we live in a world that has the tongue reaching much farther than it ever has. 
whether it be through text messages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or going viral in some way or another, your message, your words can reach more people today than I believe ever before. And with that in our mind, I want us to understand that what we say with our mouth oftentimes determines our future. That there's a lot of power that sits between your chin and your nose. And God wants us to use it correctly. It seems to me that James was writing to a group of people that were having problems with their tongue. Because if you go back to James chapter 1 and verse 19, James says, So then, my beloved brethren, let each one of you be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. James wanted people to listen more than they spoke. And that goes along with the old adage, you've got two ears and one mouth, so you need to listen twice as much as you speak. Apparently, these people had problems with their tongue. If you go down to verse 26 of chapter 1, James says that if I don't bridle my tongue before God, my religion can become useless. James chapter 1 and verse 26, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. seems James was writing to a group of people that struggled with their tongue. But not only that, in chapter 2 and verse 12, James says very clearly that when we speak and we act, we should do so with the thought that we'll be standing before God being judged by the law of liberty. James chapter 2 and verse 12. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. You know, the tongue is a very powerful thing. And someone once said with their tongue that sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And according to James chapter 3, that could not be farther from the truth. Broken bones can heal much quicker than the injuries that come from a quick tongue lashing. And probably all of us have stories that we could share where we've experienced that. I had a friend that I had coffee with one, one time. He was a preacher and he told me, he said, we were talking about preaching and, and you know, the encouragement that people give you. He said, Josh, I have received some of the most encouraging words from members of the church, from true Christians who wanted to encourage me, but I've also heard some of the most hurtful things from them as well. Our tongue can be very... Powerful. In fact, it's my belief that the power of the tongue is the greatest power that God has given us in our physical bodies. The only thing greater than what I can say with my tongue is when I regurgitate what God has said through divine inspiration. And with the power of the tongue, <coughs> excuse me, we can pray, we can sing to God, we can preach the Word of God, and we can lead other people to Christ. But also with our tongue, we can ruin our reputation. We can curse God, and ultimately, we can break someone else's heart. With it, we can either burn or we can build the kingdom of God. And so knowing the power of the tongue, James pens in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, I think one of the greatest expectations God has for us as Christians. James chapter 3, let's begin in verse 1. Notice what James says. Finally, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive... A stricter judgment. Now this seems awfully strange to begin this discussion on. He's warning us about being teachers. If you look back to the original language, James is literally saying, stop becoming so many teachers. And it seems that the, the cause is, is common. Most of the people James was writing to, they wanted to teach. They wanted to stand before people and proclaim God's word. But he reminds them that with words comes a greater responsibility of action. That's what he's just finished discussing in James chapter 2. That faith without works is dead. 
That is, I can proclaim to you that I have faith. I can tell you about my faith and I can yell it from the mountaintops. But until I live it out in my life, it is no more existent than the boogie monster. That is, my faith should evidence itself in my life. And I believe that's what James is getting at. It's just like Peter Parker's Uncle Ben said. With great power comes great responsibility. When I have the power of the tongue that God has given me, responsibility follows that, especially as I stand before people and proclaim the Word of God. Teachers are not the only ones that he warns, though. Look in verse 2. He says, Let not many of you become teachers, knowing you shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. He is a perfect man, able to also bridle the whole body. Now don't get caught up on the word perfect here. James is not saying that you will be perfect if you can control your tongue. And I've mentioned this before, but many times when you read the word perfect in the New Testament, it is the word teleos. And that word essentially means to be mature, to be grown to full development. He says if a man is able to bridle his tongue, he is a man that has grown to full development. He is mature. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 10 tells us very clearly that we better not say that we don't have sin, though. Because if we say that we don't have sin, we deceive ourselves and we make God a liar. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 10. And so someone who has grown to full maturity and spiritual growth is not someone who's sinless. It's not someone who's perfect. But it's someone who is developing as a Christian. He says that he is also, if he can control his tongue, able to bridle his whole body. I said, well, why does the tongue have so much pull? If you remember back during World War II, we were taught a very quick lesson from the ads that were posted that words often lead to actions. That is, what I say has an effect on the people around me. Because in World War II, the sign was popularly posted, loose lips sink ships. And the idea is that when I blabber my mouth, it doesn't just have an effect on me. It affects other people. Loose lips don't just sink ships, but they also wreck lives. And we need to be careful with the words that we say because they can bring great hurt, both emotionally and physically. Verses 3 and 4 of James chapter 3. He says, verse 1, Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect or mature man, able to bridle the whole body. <coughs> Verses 3 and 4. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn their whole body. Look also at a ship. Although we are so, they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. James brings to our attention two very important illustrations of the power of the tongue. That is, we know that the tongue is powerful, and James says don't become many teachers because you'll be judged by it. He says also this, if you can control your tongue, that is a great feat, and that's a wonderful thing. You are coming to maturity. But notice he says that the tongue is a very small thing in comparison to the body, and yet it still has great power. A bit is very small in a horse's mouth compared to that horse. It is very much a fraction of the size of that horse, as is a rudder. The rudder on a ship is much smaller than the body of the ship, but yet those two things exercise great power. And so is the tongue, a small thing compared to my body, but yet it can accomplish both great and detrimental things. 
Both the bit and the rudder overcome contrary forces. The bit makes the horse turn, he says in verse 3. While the rudder makes the ship go against the wind, it accomplishes great things when it's under control of a steady hand. You see, but when that small image, when that small thing is under control of someone who does not know how to use it, a ship can wreck and destroy lives. A horse can run and trample people. Bad things can happen when we don't have control of the small thing that controls the rest of the body. And James makes the illustration to the tongue. The tongue is a powerful thing. Think about how much a tongue can influence people's lives. A judge can stand before a man and say, guilty or not guilty. And that pronouncement of the tongue, that one short phrase, can have an effect on your family, your friends, your livelihood, and ultimately your destiny in eternity. Not only that, but a president can mutter a few words and sign a document. And that can begin a war. What great power the tongue has. Think about a parent who may say yes or no to their child in a specific instance. And that may cause great effects throughout that child's life. The tongue is very powerful. And so let us never underestimate the power that our tongue has. Not only to do great things, but to change lives. And so James brings out two points this morning that I want to present to you. And the lesson will be yours. Point number one. Our tongues can be destructive. We have the choice. God expects us to make a choice about what our tongue is going to do. And the first thing that we can choose for our tongue to do is that our tongue can be destructive. That is, it can destroy. You know, a fire can begin with a very small spark. But it can grow to destroy a city. James chapter 3 beginning in verse 5. Notice what James says. Even so the tongue is a little member, but it boasts great things. See then how a great forest a little fire kindles. And a tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set against our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed. And has been tamed by mankind. Verse 8. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You see, a fire is detrimental in a number of different ways. Just as the tongue can be, James makes the comparison. A fire is detrimental initially. It causes great damage and great chaos. Not only that, but it brings about effects in my life that bring pain in the current situation. And when a fire has ended, its after effects radiate throughout my life. Like a fire, our words can burn people terribly. They can cause great damage. However, unlike anything else, the effects of my tongue linger for years and years and years. Open up your Bible to Proverbs chapter 26 and we will illustrate this from one of these beautiful proverbial statements. Proverbs chapter 26 beginning in verse 20. Notice the detriment of the tongue. Proverbs 26, beginning in verse 20. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no tailbearer, strife ceases. Verse 21. As charcoal is to burning coals, and wood is to fire, 
So is a contentious man to kindle strife. You see, when my tongue does horrible things and it utters small sparks of disunity and discontentment and strife and negativity and hateful speech, those small sparks that I leave out of my mouth can cause a forest fire that destroys so many things. How powerful the tongue is that it can destroy. But James just doesn't leave it with the idea of destruction. Because we know that our words can often be destructive. We see it in our everyday life. But when it enters the church, we have a serious issue. When members of the Lord's church don't strive to control their tongue with the Lord's help, it can be utterly destructive. Psalm chapter 39 beginning in verse 1, David describes just a situation like this. Psalm 39 beginning in verse 1. The destructiveness of the tongue. Psalm 39, beginning in verse 1. Notice, David says, I said, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred up. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned then. I spoke with my tongue. Have you ever had this experience before in your life? A hot head and a hot heart can lead to burning words that we forever regret. I'm angry. And oftentimes when I'm angry, I don't speak those words once. I speak them continually in my mind, practicing just how I can say them to detriment the person that I'm about to deliver them to. It seems that David had a temper. And maybe this morning you have a temper. David had to have God's help to control it. And I would, I would present to you this morning that you need God's help as well. Fires, they start small, but they grow, don't they? A simple fire in a basement will create smoke that ruins the rest of the house. And ultimately, the family has to move out while the house is being repaired and it's being cleaned. You see, fiery words can destroy a home. They can destroy leadership. They can destroy a Sunday school. They can destroy even an entire congregation. The tongue is not just compared to a fire, though. You see, a fire, as it begins, it grows and it rips and it roars and it's loud and and it does destructive damage. But he also compares the tongue to a poison. What a difference in comparison. As the fire burns and it, it crackles and it's loud, the poison does the exact opposite. Poison, unlike fire, works slowly and silently. It's behind the scenes, underneath the skin, slowly killing the tissue that's there. Now, would we turn angry snakes loose and hungry lions in the auditorium and let them roam around as we had services? No, we wouldn't, but we do the same with our words. We let them roam, and they are deadly. You see, the Bible says that the tongue cannot be tamed by man. Don't take this verse out of its context. James says that no man can tame the tongue, but I know someone who can, God Almighty. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. You see, if if you and I set Jesus as the one who sits on the throne of our heart rather than ourself, then out of my good heart in which Jesus rules, I will utter good speech. The tongue can be... Destructive, But that's not all that James tells us. 
He doesn't leave it with a negative. The tongue can be destructive, but he also says the tongue can be productive. James chapter 3 beginning in verse 9. James chapter 3 beginning in verse 9, James gives us a very clear positive to end our thoughts on the tongue. He says, with it we bless God and Father, but with it we can also curse man who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing, but cursing as well. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. You shouldn't, you shouldn't act this way. You shouldn't let the hypocrisy spill from your mouth. And he gives us the comparison. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear frigs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. You see, a fresh water fountain can be a tremendous blessing to people. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 11 tells us this, that the mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. You see, my mouth can bring about hope and joy and positivity and encouragement if I allow the right things to motivate from my heart. And since the tongue is, to, since the tongue is so powerful, let us use it for the glory of God rather than for the destruction of what is around us. James compares the tongue also to a tree. And a tree we know are very useful. Trees offer shade and beauty. And they bear fruit for us to eat. They are useful for you and I. So should my tongue offer shelter and encouragement. And so should my tongue feed the hungry soul. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 21. Solomon says that the lips of the righteous feed many. You see, when I use my tongue <coughs> for the glory of God... It boasts great things that bring glory to God. John Hugo had lived 31 years driving a vehicle for which he did not have a license to drive. And for 31 years he drove without a ticket, without being pulled over, without even so much as a warning or even a discussion about getting a license. One day he was driving home from his job of washing dishes when he turned right on a street and turned his radio up quite loud, to which he saw the blue lights in his rearview mirror and knew that it was time to make restitution. Officer Anthony walked up to the door and asked him for his license. Of course, you know the discussion that took place. I don't have one. And the officer very kindly said, well, well sir, why don't you have a license? And he said, well, I can't read to finish the written test. And so the officer, of course, went by the letter of the law, but also gave him his cell phone number and said, call me this evening and I want to help you get your license. So that evening, Officer Anthony got a call. And for the next three months, he sat down with him and he taught him how to read, helping him to pass the written test, therefore getting his license so that he could legally drive. You see, our words can take two, one of two actions, one of two directions, one of two paths. When I meet an opposition or an option where I have to choose, how am I going to say something in this situation? How am I going to act in this situation? The Bible clearly encourages me that I want my words to be productive. I want them to be a fountain of life. I want them to be a tree that offers shade and bears fruit for the glory of God. However, James gives us this strong warning for the fruit of our tongue. He says that our fruit needs to be consistent. That is, that it needs to produce sweet water and good fruit. You see, if the tongue is inconsistent, the conclusion is clear. There's something wrong with the heart. 
This morning, I want to ask you a question. Is your tongue productive or is it destructive? You see, the tongue is kind of like leadership. It doesn't matter whether or not you want someone to be affected by your speech. The question is, how are they affected by your speech? No matter how you live your life, you're going to affect somebody. So are you producing good things or are you destroying good things? There was a Christian who once got angry and he let his tongue loose. And he gave the person he was angry at just the best lashing that he had ever given. He felt good about it, but soon thereafter, he was embarrassed. And he turned to his friend. He said, I am so sorry. I don't know why I said that. It really just isn't me. To which his friend replied, if it had been in you, if it hadn't have been in you, it wouldn't have come out of you. The question is, what's within your heart this morning? We need to have a tongue that fixes, not one that destroys. What does God expect of me? So many great things, but the greatest is that God, I believe, expects me to use my tongue for His glory. One of the great things that I can use my tongue for is that I can confess the name of Jesus Christ, Him being the Son of God, and His death, burial, and resurrection in this earth. If you haven't done that this morning, I would encourage you to do so. Because that proclamation brings about great responsibility in your life, but it's something that you need to consider. If you haven't obeyed the gospel this morning, I would encourage you to come down and we can study more about the gospel with you. Because as we talked about a few weeks ago, God expects you to be prepared for eternity. And part of preparing for eternity is making sure that I have my tongue under control. Not by my own power. Don't get me wrong. The only way you're going to have it under control is by the power of God. If you have a need this morning, if you need to repent of a sin you've committed that has been public and you need to make restitution, maybe you need to repent of something privately and you want the church to pray for you. Maybe you need encouragement from the members of this body of Christ that meets here in Bowden and maybe you want to be a part of the body of Christ. You want to put on Christ in baptism and have your sins washed away. Whatever your need, please come as we stand and as we sing.